I'm on a mission. A mission to speak with the most inspiring people from all over the world. I want to know their stories. I want to know what stories they used to tell. And are those the same stories that they're telling today? Or did they redefine that story to overcome limiting beliefs and achieve their dreams? I want to help them share their stories. Why? Because I know the power of the story. I know that it can make or break you. It can give you the world or it can tear it apart. There's always two sides going down in your head and you get to choose. Will I listen to the one that's trying to stop me or the one that keeps pushing? These are their stories and this is the stories we tell. What's up, guys? It's your host, Jamie Messina. It is Pride Month. Happy Pride Month. We are coming at you with some coming out stories the entire month. We're just going to keep bringing coming out stories to you for uh, the stories we tell in the month of June. And today we have Jamie Garzo. She is the author of Unconventional, a memoir of entrepreneurism, politics, and pot. She is what we like to call a lily, I guess, a later in life lesbian. And you're going to hear her coming out story. But first, if you haven't hit subscribe yet, go ahead and do that. And um, if you find value in today's episode or any of the episodes that you hear, please consider leaving a five-star review. That's going to help me reach my goal of rippling out to at least a million people. And save the date, June 29th, we are doing a special live Pride event, um, Stories We Tell Live. It will be 8 p.m. Eastern, and I will have more details to come, but just keep that on your radar. All right, let's get into it and hear Jamie Garzo's story. All right, what's up? So I have here with me Jamie Garzo. You guys may remember her. We had you um, a little while back on a live, our first live podcast on TikTok. And we were talking about your new book that was dropping, which has since then dropped uh, winning five awards, which I'm sure I'm going to make you talk about as well. But we were also talking about a little shift in your life. So Listen, here's the deal, Jamie. This month, I am talking to people about their coming out stories, okay? It's Pride Month, it's June, and you have a very unique story because you're what we like to call a lily, which I just learned, late-in-life lesbian, <laughs> but L-I-L-L-E-S, lilies, right? Yes. So, first of all, welcome. Um, I'm super excited for your your book that's already dropped and already been winning some major awards because it's amazing. Just like that leg lamp behind you, for those of you who can't see, there's a major <laughs> award behind her. <laughs> it's the leg lamp. But um, let's hear a little bit about uh, what's going on with you. Yeah. So thank you for having me on. Um, always a pleasure to be here. And so yeah, I um, I I'm 49. I'm actually about to turn 50. <laughs> this week, um, in, in, uh, tomorrow, I guess, but, you know, so up until, up until, you know, really December, um, I've lived my life really in heterosexual relationships only. And, um, really, I guess in December of this past year started to have this awakening that, um, rather than the bisexual person that I told I was since I was 20, because that was when I really acknowledged that I do have attraction to women. Um, but I always was in relationships with men, always had boyfriends that, um, that no, I'm actually not in fact bisexual, but I am gay. And so 
at that time in December of 2021, that was a, that was a monumental shift for me in, you know, for a multitude of reasons, obviously it's, it's a, a big deal, no matter when or where you come out. Um, but the where in this case also mattered because I've lived my life in California, my whole entire 49 years up until the fall of last year, where I found myself in North Carolina. So moving from the most liberal <laughs> state in the nation to the South, which is definitely more conservative. Um, that was also a, like a part of the, part of the transition, which was a little bit more interesting than I, you know, ha- had expected. So there was just, there was a lot going on at the end of last year and, uh, you know, something I didn't really see coming, but again, had that awakening and then proceeded to actually come out to my, my friends and family in January of this year. So it's been kind of a, an interesting road going from um, 11 years in California's cannabis industry, kind of pioneering a lot in, in a lot of aspects for, for that, that industry, exiting in 2020 and then writing a book about it in 21 to then eventually come out at the end of 21. So it was, there's just been a lot happening in, in my life for the past couple of years. And, and I think that's a good thing. I feel good about where I am. It feels fantastic to finally, you know, step into my truth as, as we like to say, and I'm about to go to my first pride on Saturday. I'm super <laughs> yes. excited about that. Yay. I'm excited for you too. Um, so there's lots of questions that I have for you. Mm-hmm. Um, number one. So you said you knew that you were quote unquote bisexual for a while. Like, so you had yeah. known since you were in your early twenties. Yes. Okay. And then you kind of just went the guy route because, and the reason I'm asking mm-hmm. is because for those of you who don't know, um, I am a mindset empowerment slash life coach. And a lot of people I work with are late in life lesbians with they, I, I don't know if that's the best term, but it's how we explain it these days, right? Which you figure out your true sexuality a little bit later, probably thirties, forties, fifties. Um, and a, a lot of people come to me and they have that same thing where they were like, you know, I, I was thought I was bisexual. Then I went and I married a man. And then I realized through that, uh, that I'm not actually, I'm, I'm, I'm a lesbian. So let's talk about how the writing of your book kind of opened that door to help you really step into a hundred percent true realization of who you really are when it comes to your sexuality. Yeah. So let me, I want to, I want to kind of jump in and, and, comment on, on something. And then I want to kind of clarify something else, at least like kind of how I, how, how I've clarified this for myself. But, um, so when I say that, that I, I considered myself bisexual, I, to, for me, that definition was simply acknowledging an attraction to women, mm. but I never had any relationships with women during that time. So from the point at which I really acknowledged that attraction, which I was 20, until really the end of last year, all of my relationships were with men, except for mm-hmm. the times when I did have attractions to women or crushes on women, but none of those were relationship based. And so I do think that that is maybe somewhat in, in some ways different from other bisexual women who may actually have relationships with so, both genders and go in and out of relationships with, with both genders. So that, you know, it's a, I have a question for you on that one. Yeah. So when I, I mean, we had a little bit, I was a probably early in life lesbian. I don't know, you know, in seventh grade, the first time that I admitted to myself, not anybody else, I, I was like, okay, I'm bisexual. Cause I have these crushes on women. So same thing, like for the first, 
you know, six, seven years from middle school till when I actually truly came out in college, I considered myself bisexual, but never actually having a relationship or acting on that. Do you think that that's just an easier way for people who are just kind of like confused or scared to kind of get their foot in the door? I think it, yeah, certainly. And, and I don't, I, you know, I, I want to say yes, but I also think that sometimes that can be perceived as like, I don't know, like in a negative way, mm-hmm. like, like kind of shying around the truth. And, and for me, that wasn't the case. Like I really legitimately thought that, that I was bisexual. And part of that is the confusion that being attracted to masculinity and men are not the same thing. And that right. the fact that I can enjoy sex with men doesn't necessarily mean that I'm straight. Like my body responding with an orgasm to, you know, what it's designed to do sexually is not, you know, indicative of what my attraction truly is. And so there's a lot to really unpack there that I didn't delve into until like earlier this year, because that's, that's part of the mindfuck is that, well, wait, how is this possible? How can I have gone all of these years of my life in really like good, stable relationships with men and be gay. Like that's the first thing that I had to get my head around. And so, you know, I think we all handle that and we all deal with that in different ways. And, and so I had to do some soul searching and, and define those things for myself. Like, how was that possible for me? And it doesn't mean that, that how I've come to terms with it in my head is, is how everybody will. But, um, but, you know, I think it's something that we all go through if we've been with men and thought that we were at least bisexual or, you know, at least somewhat attracted to men and, and then have to realize, well, wait, I wasn't really, and here's why. And so it's been, you know, and I, and I love this type of stuff. I love the, you know, so it's been, it's been interesting to be in the process and also be learning about it. Um, like as my own case study, you know, cause I'm kind of a, a <laughs> nerd that way, but um, Same. But the other, you know, the other thing too, that, that I've also started to say more myself is rather than a a late in life, I'm saying later, because for me, when I hear late, it's like, oh God, I should have been here sooner. But, but, but no, actually for me, I'm arriving right when I should. So I think later in life, because there's no getting around the fact that 49 is later in life, as opposed to somebody that's, you know, 19, but you know, this is, this is, I'm on my own trajectory and it's unfolding perfectly as it should. Yes. And even if I could go back, I wouldn't because there's been valuable lessons that I've learned through all of my heterosexual relationships that, that play into who I am today. And, and I like that person. So I can't, I can't regret that I'm, that I didn't come out sooner. I have, you know, I, I feel good about coming out now, but it also means that, you know, I'm also dealing with 30 years of um, history, heterosexual history that I now have to kind of switch around and I have to relearn a lot of things about what it is like being in a relationship with a woman because that's where I am now and I have I have an amazing girlfriend but there's also stuff that is that I have to relearn at 49 years old and it's um it's a bumpy road it is and and yeah let's change it to later in life I like that too (laughs) (laughs) I I made a post the other day talking about late in life lesbians and somebody and I said basically sharing who I work with. I'm like, I work with people who, you know, are later in life or late in life, lesbians ages 30 and above. And they were like, 30 is a, 30 is a, a late in life. And I'm like, I guess when figuring out your sexuality, yes, it has, it doesn't really mm-hmm. have anything to do with 
anything other than that. Like, right. you know, um, but let's talk about, all right. So what happened over the past year that made that shift from, okay, maybe I'm bisexual to, Hey, I'm a lesbian. I'm going to come out. And then I kind of want to hear after that, I want to hear about how you came out and, and what happened. Sure. Sure. Because I didn't really answer your first part of the question, which was, you know, how the writing of my book may have been the, the first catalyst for this, this internal transition. And, and, you know, I think when I, when I look at, when I look at my own coming out, I can break it into conscious and subconscious. And so for, for me, if I'm looking at the end of 2021, um, I was in a relationship with, with an amazing man. He and I are still good friends today. Um, but our relationship had been struggling for like three years and, and struggling really. What I mean by that is that my struggling because of my inability to emotionally connect with him, to be emotionally intimate. And this is a, this is a recurring theme in, in all my heterosexual relationships. And so, you know, that, that disconnect is, is sustainable for a while, but as, as any relationship matures, you need that emotional connection, I think, to keep it strong and keep it stable. And for me going back really three years ago is when I can identify, I stopped being able to, or could not get any more emotionally attached to him. Mm. And, and it's awkward, right? That creates an imbalance and it's no fun for anybody. And there, there were other things going on too, but you know, during, during this time I was in and out of therapy, trying to work through this, like, why can't I emotionally connect with this, this person who I like a lot? He's a great man. Um, but not only him throughout, throughout my, my relationship history, why can I not connect with any man up into a point? Like, you know, I can be a friend, I can be, you know, I can be sexually active, but not sexually intimate. If that makes sense, emotionally Mm -hmm. intimate. Um, like, what is it in me that I can't get past? Why, like what's broken, what's wrong. And, and I, through all those, all those hours of therapy, I, we were never able to, to really get to the bottom of it. And, and so it was, you know, for me leaving California, landing in North Carolina and finally getting to a point in the relationship with kind of the, the problems that we were having, where I just told myself, like, look, I've got to, I've, got to figure this out. Like what is going on? And so I just, and I think being in the reason I I mentioned being in North Carolina is I didn't know soul. So I was, Mm -hmm. you know, in a lot of ways isolated and and really that helped give me the the physical space, the, the, the mental space, emotional space to, to, to process this, to think about what's going on in, in, in me that is now like at the, like my relationship's about to end because I can't get past this personal shit. Um, so I committed to myself to figure out what's going on. And I just spent a lot of time um, in introspection, journaling, and, and, I, and I had the, the space to do that. And what I started to realize was that um, I started to remember all of these things from throughout my life that like floodgate of all of these feelings that I had for women and these memories from my childhood where like points of repression and like things that I had not thought about since I was, since they were happening, like at, you know, 10 and 11 years old, all these things came rushing back and I'm madly scribbling in my journal going, Oh my God, I'm not bisexual. I'm actually gay. You know, what does this mean? And, and, you know, just trying to get my head around that. Do you have a bomb that was dropped in my lap? A right? specific story that sticks out that you were like, Oh, 
Yeah, I do. And so this was, I, you know, I was probably, probably like 10 or 11. And I was at, I had this, this childhood friend that, w- that lived up the street. And, um, and so we were, we were in her room, we were listening to, we were listening to, to records. And, and, uh, and I remember like saying, you know, we should, we should take our clothes off and, and like lay on top of each other, you know, and pretend. And like, and I know that all kids have this, like, you know, you play sex games, you, you ex- experiment, right? Like, you, mm-hmm. I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Like, that's right. totally normal up until a point. And I think like 10 and 11 is at that age where it's not really a innocent childhood game anymore. And so we did, we took our clothes off and we laid on top of each other and we pretended that we were doing it. Right. Oh we're do it. <laughs> and her mom walked in. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And so like looked at us and said, this is not what little girls do. Like in the, this happened. I had thought about this since I would, since I'm like, Oh my God. And so, you know, I'm thankful that I wasn't just like completely banned from having this girl as a friend, but, <laughs> and, and the door was closed. Like when this was happening, that we were listening to records, the door was closed. The mom walked in. This is not what little girls do. I mean, talk about imprinting something on a child, right? That right yeah. there alone. Um, yeah. So I was still allowed to go up and play at her house, but we couldn't close the door anymore. <laughs> oh my right. God. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> That's um, what, th- so again, when I'm madly scribbling in my journal and all these things are coming back to me, that's the one thing. Well, one of the things that really sticks with me that like point of repression, not what little girls do mm. pretty strong message right there. But then, and, and so this was kind of, this has nothing to do with my book necessarily, but this is all like awakenings that, that were, you know, or like memories that were coming back to me at, at the end of, um, t- um, 2021 last year. So the other thing that happened was the writing the book and, and really diving into the death of my mom. And as I wrote that chapter about my, my early childhood trauma around her death, um, she, she took her own life when I was eight. And what I did learn through a lot of therapy is, is when you, when you lose a parent early, it's natural for that child to kind of bond more with the gender identity of the other parent. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started to embrace everything, you know, masculine was, was acceptable. Feminine is weak, right? My mom took her own life. She's too weak to be here. Like that was a shitty decision. Like all these things, not that you can like articulate that at eight, but right. you know, I'm kind of summarizing my yeah. thought process around femininity from when I was eight until really probably in my forties. Um, and that was kind of something that, that, that stuck with me. And I, while I present very feminine inside, I tend to be a little more masculine. And I think that some of those traits, those masculine traits worked well in the business world, but they also kind of wreak havoc on me being a complete human and really embracing both sides of, of myself and, and most importantly, embracing my femininity. So when I started to write about my mom's death and some of the, some of the things that I've that I used to believe in that I now believe around masculinity and femininity, I think that was really the beginning of my coming out. And that was in spring of 2020. And it, it was totally subconscious. And so this is like, when I said earlier, I, I talked about the, the conscious coming out and the subconscious. I believe that it was through that process in spring of 2021 
that I really started to come out and that my true self was making it it's herself known. And some of the, some of my thoughts in the book, I think I can point to passages and go that right there and that right there. Um, but again, it was still a surprise when I was, you know, sitting in North Carolina going, Oh my God, <laughs> I'm gonna have to have some hard conversations. Oh, geez. Well, let's talk about the hard conversations. So you figure it out, obviously we're summarizing. It takes up, but you did a mm-hmm. lot of internal just thought and work and journaling and all the things. So you figure it out now, mm-hmm. how did you come out? So the first, the first person that I came out to is my, other than myself, of course, was my sister. Mm-hmm. and she's still in California. And, you know, I, the reason that I didn't come out to my, my then partner first is that he was still in California also. And he was supposed to be back in North Carolina. He got delayed. And so it was like a month that I didn't see him. And so I'm sitting on this information, like, fuck, you know, I, I like not a FaceTime conversation. Like you don't right. tell your partner that, you know, you have to end a six and a half year relationship uh, because you're gay over FaceTime. Let's mm-hmm. no. Um, Maybe some people do. I wasn't about to do that. <laughs> yes. um, however, I can come out to my sister on FaceTime. And so we, we had um, scheduled our usual you know, chat. And I said, so sissy, <laughs> I have something to share. And she was, um, she was surprised. She, she had known that, that I was kind of into women here and there. And like, she said, yeah, I, rem- I remember that. But I think she kind of felt like maybe that was a phase, like I'm in my 20s thing. Um, cause it wasn't something that was current and it wasn't something that I talked a, a lot with her because we lived in separate cities and, and we weren't geographically close. So, you know, some things just fall through the cracks and that was one of them. Um, and plus I was busy running my, my business and that was all consuming. And, and so, um, but then she said something to me and, and, the, and this was kind of something that got me thinking, cause I had to answer this question for myself. She goes, you know what? I don't know that she goes, I think you still might be more bisexual because you like the penis. Mm. And I went, huh, well, okay, do I? Like, is that an accurate statement? Um, which then, of course, kind of, you know, starts me down the path of, well, is it men or is it masculinity? Is it the penis or the sensation that it can provide? Like, what right. is it? You know, because those are, those are two different things, like enjoying the sensation or the actual... <laughs> Uh, thing attached yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) and and but these are these are things that I never had cause or opportunity to really think about before but they're important questions like well you know is that like is 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 she right like like is do I really like the penis well well no (laughs) no no I don't and and I don't know that I would have been able to answer that with so much authority, had I had the question not been posed and, and like, I had to, you know, do the deep dive into it and, and think about it because it's confusing, right? Our bodies respond in one way to one thing. And that makes well, then I should be straight. Right. Right. No, not necessarily. Oh man. You just got my brain going down a whole <laughs> tunnel of why people don't want well, uh, I mean, us and so, to share. And, and so I'll, I'll some, another, another way to think about it is, you know, like, the ability to achieve an orgasm doesn't is not a direct connection to or right. uh, with attraction, right? Like you know, I think any human on the planet can achieve an orgasm with this right here, right? <laughs> yeah. By like, the way, if just, you're not watching the video, she's raising her hand. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I'm not attracted to this. You right. know what I mean? Like yes. 
so so what is the ability to achieve a physical sensation that this can provide have to do with attraction well right nothing so once i i got my head around that it's like oh okay so unless you're a demisexual well right 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 (laughs) and so and and again like i there's other people that would probably say well i disagree and i've had a different experience and that's and this is yours this is your story yeah yeah yeah. and so and again this is how i've kind of come to the realization and kind of work through some of the all the mind fucks that are up here with you know living with 30 years of heterosexuality and 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 how that can be when i'm also realizing that i'm gay but for me that was a big one like the ability to achieve an orgasm has nothing to do with attraction right for me and you know like you and I had this discussion before and um, you know, when we're talking about little kids who are abused or little boys, you know, Sean T, do you know who Sean T is? He's no, one of my, my favorite people. In yeah. the world. He's uh, the creator of insanity T25. Um, he spoke to us one time and he was talking about how he was molested at a very young age by an adult in his family, a male adult. And that he was really confused by that because, but his body physically like, liked it or, you know, reacted in a way that seemed like he liked it. Obviously he didn't Mm -hmm. like being abused by a family member. So like that goes in many different ways. Like you're just because your body's reacting in a way does not mean that it's what your brain isn't, you know? Right. Right. And I would think that, you know, I'd say that most people really don't have cause to really think about it. I mean, like if you're, if you're somebody that has not been abused or if you are somebody that that is, that is straight and only having straight relationships, then, then, then why would you ever really think about it? I think it's, it's those of us that maybe have gone through sexual abuse, which, which I haven't, and I'm, and I'm fortunate for that, but, but I have experienced this disconnect between, you know, what I like and what my body's responding to. Right. And in some cases, those have not been the same. Right. That's definitely a, a, an interesting point that I think a lot of people might connect with mm-hmm. when listening to this, for sure. So you told your sister, she thought you were bi, but you're not. And she was cool with it. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And my family, you know, I, again, I'm, I'm fortunate, very, very fortunate that not just my sister, but, you know, the entire rest of my family and friends that, that I've shared this with, this, this revelation with, they've all been incredibly supportive and just said, you know what, we just want you to be happy and we love you. And, you know, good for you for figuring this out and, and, and figuring out who you are. And, and, you know, so what about, I'm sure a lot of people want to hear about this, your partner of six years, mm-hmm. a man, when you told him, how did he receive the information? He, so I had, I had just picked him up at the airport and it was late and, you know, we had not had a great week. Um, you know, he and I don't really do FaceTime anyway, but, you know, and we had gotten to the point where we weren't really having phone conversations and even limited texting. And, and he, and he told me later that he knew when he was coming to see me that time, that it was going to be the last time. And he just wasn't Mm -hmm. really prepared for the why, but that's, that's the point that the relationship had gotten to. It was just, you know, me totally disconnecting, you know, not just emotionally, but also, um, at this point physically, because we were on different sides of the country and, um, and just growing more and more distant. But, you know, I picked him up at the airport and we're driving back and I, and I just kind of, I, you know, reached over and I, I held his hand. And I said, I need to tell you something and, um, it's going to be hard to hear, but I need, I, I just need you to, to let me talk for a while. And, um, and then I told him, and 
and we just sat there and held hands the whole, the whole trip back and, and talked and he was shocked. Um, but, but he was kind and he was supportive and he was, had questions and, you know, just understanding. And so we spent the weekend together, um, in separate bedrooms and just kind of cried and talked and, I was actually able to share more with him at that point than I'd been able to share like in almost six and a half years of the relationship yeah. because, you know, I was able to, to be myself and, and share, share my truth and, and share, you know, this really important thing that has kind of been trying to come out, like literally come out of me for, for 30 years. Um, and so, and he did say, you know, at one point he's like, God, this is the only time in my life I ever wished I was a woman. <laughs> <laughs> um but which you know he because he, he's again gonna gonna find some humor in in everything and that's important to be able to laugh at and and even though it's not a joke it's you know finding humor in in the situation is important yes for sure. um and so you know i i said i can understand how this is probably a shock and and i'm happy to share some things that i've been journaling with and he goes yeah that he goes i would like to hear that so i did i shared i shared you know some of what I'd been talking about and thinking about, and he was floored. He didn't realize, he didn't realize how far back it went. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, aside from the fact that it was all new, it just, how much was there like pages and pages. And, um, I, I think that was surprising, but also I think reassuring to him that you know, no, this isn't a mistake. No, this is not a joke. No, I'm not just saying something to get out of the relationship. And, and I think, and he did also say that in some ways it was a relief to realize that it wasn't just, it wasn't something that he had been doing wrong. Um, you know, and, and like, there was no ego involved, no anger, no animosity, just like, you know, sadness, of course, that, that the relationship was over the relationship that he wanted and that he hoped that we would have, because he, he always hoped that I would someday be able to emotionally connect with him. Mm. Um, so sadness and grief that that was over and, and like not coming back. Right. Um, but also relief that it wasn't something directly related to him or something that he'd done wrong, but really something that has been part of me my whole life. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot, man. That's a, but how do you feel now that you've kind of been stepping into and figuring out even your yeah. truth and who you are? So, you know, I think as I was sitting in North Carolina and having this realization, the first, like there was a physical sensation that went with this. And it was like this, it was like, I took this deep breath and this relief washed over me, this lightness of being, I can't describe it in any other way. It's like, oh my God, oh my God, this is, this is the thing. Um, so that felt amazing. And to be able to recognize it it is a feeling that I have not experienced before ever. Um, and then, you know, to feel the, the, the relief that my family was okay with it, the relief that my friends were okay with it. You know, these are all physical, like these are emotions that, that you can like, I, I don't know. It's I'm struggling with my words right now. And, and that's kind of um, unusual for me, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, the other thing that, that has happened, um, I would say more recently, because we're into June now. So I would say a couple months ago, um, the, for me, the realization that coming out is not a one-time event. 
mm. or it's not even a two-time or three-time event. In fact, it's it's a process and it's not just announcing to the world that, you know, I, I'm gay, but actually the coming out of the person that has been buried inside me for 30 years. Um, it's her coming out into the world. It's her relearning um, how to how to communicate in a relationship that's not a heteros that's you know with a with a woman and not a man because there are differences in in how relationships with both work um women are inherently different and think different and feel different it's just it's it is a whole new world it's so much better um for me but there's there's some things that i have to learn how to do differently things that were my own behaviors that may have been acceptable in a relationship with a man because men are just different and they think different and they feel different that are less so with, with a woman. And, and so that, that was a big deal for me, that realization that that coming out is not an event, but it's a process that right. will likely be a long one, you know? I mean, there's times I still come out. Well, not so much because people kind of can tell by looking at me, but I'm sure I would continue to have to come out if I kind of looked mm-hmm. like you, you know what I mean? <laughs> Well, and I think for, for the women that are, that are doing this later in life, you know, realizing that, that, and again, you know, this is, this has been my experience and and maybe, maybe it's true for other women and maybe this helps somebody, but just that, that realization that it's not an external coming out. It's also an internal coming out because there is this person in me who I've always been, who's always been there, but she's been like way down here. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's her coming out. And so to embrace that and to support that and to, you know, champion that coming out and, and realize that that is different than making an announcement, um, you know, to friends, family, social media, whatever. It's, it's right. very different. Um, both are important and, you know, but it, for me, it's, it's, it, the, the coming out is multifaceted. It's not just a, it's not just an external thing. It's very much an internal event. Yeah. Um, so what would you say to maybe some women that are either, you know, cause the, a lot of people message me each day and talking about their situations and some people are like, okay, I just came out and I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. Like I feel alone or there some people are still in their relationships, their straight relationships and figuring out what the next step is. Do you have mm-hmm. any words? I, I mean, really advice is like, you could really only give people based on their situation, but an overall yeah. kind of message that you could give them that maybe can make them feel a little bit better about their situation. Yeah. You know, I think that, that if you, you know, like me, I had, I had some time that I had to sit with it because of the physical distance, the physical, you know, geographic distance between my partner and I, um, and I don't know if that was good or bad, but I would say if you're somebody that is in a relationship, um, I would say make make your feelings known to that person sooner rather than later. Um, I don't, I didn't want to hold it for a month, but I did. I had to, um, and I, I would just I would just say that that I think it's everybody is better served with the truth coming out than, than the truth staying in. Um, and then you know the other thing that I did that that I would encourage other women to do is, is to, to reach out to local pride groups in your area. And, you know, the larger cities are going to have a ton of them, probably, you know, a, a bunch of different ones to choose from. And even, but even in the rural areas, because where I was living um, in North Carolina was, was, it was small town. And even where I am now is very rural. Um, there are, there are local pride groups to connect with a few of them. And I think, 
getting involved that way and meeting some more people in your community and and because I think I think the the community is inherently supportive of, of, of especially newcomers but of each other and and that was really great for me to reach out and to connect with other people um, and to share my story face to face right not just not just through a screen mm -hmm. and and I think that having that tangible experience that in-person experience now that we can do this with COVID being you know for all intents and purposes gone, um, at least with regard to, to restrictions and, and uh, mandates right. that, that, you know, do that, get out there and, and like physically connect with people or, you know, or, or maybe, and maybe if it's, if that's too much, or if you're in a community where you're not totally comfortable, then maybe find a zoom group. I know, you know, Jamie, you just connected me with one this past yeah. week and I'm super excited to, to, to do that. And, um, I, I haven't yet, but, but I I'll, I'll get with them next week or I'm sorry, uh, next month, but find groups that are out there and because they're there and join them and, and start connecting. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Well, is there anything you'd like to share about your coming out story or anything about um, for pride month, your first pride this weekend, anything you want to share before we sign off? No, I just, um, you know, I always, I always love to, to connect with, with people. And so, you know, if you want to reach, to reach me in any way, and if you have you know, if you have questions or if you want to share your experience, I, I would love to hear it because this is all new for me. And so if it's new for you too, and you want to contact me, please do. Um, I, you can find me through my website, my Instagram, my, my TikTok. Um, Jamie has all my contact. If you can't find me anywhere else. I'll put else, it but... in the notes too, so they can see <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. But, um, but, but yeah, I, I, I have an open door. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jamie, so much for coming on and sharing your story. I thank can't you wait for to hear about your first pride event. And you know, my question is always, what are you going to wear? Oh, a rainbow something? I don't know. I, yeah. <laughs> It'll awesome. be cute. It'll yeah. be cute. Well, we'll have to, uh, maybe you'll send me a photo and I'll put it at yeah, the end of this for sure. uh, video. But um, uh, thank you so much for your time. And uh, we'll be back soon with another coming out story for Pride Month. Thank you for having me on, Jamie. All right, guys, that was Jamie Garzo. And um, if you want to learn more about her, how to follow along with her story, her journey, check the show notes, the description. I will add all the ways that you can follow along with Jamie. And until next time.